Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast of Venture Church in South Mississippi. Find out more about us at VentureChurch.org. We're so glad that you're here in all of our campuses. We welcome you, uh, church online, although worshiping online. A lot of you are worshiping online. And many of you may be asking, why are we all still like dressing up like bank robbers and coming to church? Bad illustration. Uh, But it's because of things like the things you just saw Uh, with Brody and Warren. And we had a baptism at 830. Matter of fact, we've had more baptisms in the last three weeks during COVID than we had my first year at the church. And so I say thank you, thank you, thank you. We're always ready to go back online if we need to. And so I just want to kind of get that out there. And let me say this about COVID. I don't think COVID is a curse from God. I think COVID is an opportunity for the church that like we've never had before in our lifetime. I mean, you have an opportunity during the darkest time in our world, at least in the last hundred years, to shine like stars in the night and to offer hope. And so that's what we're all about at Venture. We're all about sharing hope. We're all about seeing people's lives reclaimed. And we do believe it can happen when you invite somebody into your home and they watch a a service and they hear a message that the word of God is so powerful that no matter where you are, when you hear the word of God, it can change your heart. And to see these men up here and to see uh, Brody baptizing better than Craig Curtis, uh, that it really, you know, kind of just blessed me today. So uh, today we're going to talk about something that is pretty unique. Uh, Ten years ago when we really came out here and said, hey, we're going to be a church of come and see, an attractional model of church where we said we're going to build environments so people can come, you can invite your friends, and they can hear the gospel, and they can be changed, and thousands and thousands and thousands came, okay? Uh, Thousands were baptized, and we were blessed. And then I said this past fall at our 10-year anniversary, going forward, it's not going to be a come and see attractional model. It's going to be a go and be, a missional model. And I said, and I said this several times, and you know, sometimes when you're preaching and you're leading, like, like you're leading in an area that you really don't know all the details, like if any leader is telling you they understand pandemics, they're lying, unless they're over 100 years old, uh, 103 uh, and because we've never been here before, but I said something that I want to stand by. I said, you know, the church is not a building. I said, the church is the people. And I, and I said over and over again, and I don't know why, I didn't know why I was saying this, but I said, you know, if the, if the government comes in and shuts our buildings down, or if we have to sell our building, it won't matter because you're the church. And wherever you go, the church goes with you because you're going to be ready and we're going to be rolling. And I was wrong because five or six months ago when the church shut down, it's like everything came off the track. It's like all the connections that we had, all the things we said were going to happen didn't happen. And I began to think about that and do some soul searching because I really believe we were on a track and we were. And getting people out of the building, get them in homes, get them in growth groups. Growth groups have been an amazing bridge to where we're going. But the reality was we weren't prepared for the reality of so many people saying, hey, my faith is really tied to a building. 
And I realized we need a different model. And I didn't know what kind of model that was. I said, God, you know, what, what are you doing? God, what do you want to show us? A lot of soul searching personally and corporately. And as a leader, kind of felt like I let the church down. And, and I began to think, Lord, we need a model that can withstand a pandemic. We need a model that can withstand persecution. We need a model that can withstand poverty. And I found it. Guess where I found it? This will surprise you. I found it in the Bible. In Acts chapter 2, when you look at how the early church started, it was built in a time of amazing persecution. Nero was killing Christians at such a high rate. He was using their bodies to line the streets of Rome. He was lighting their bodies on fire at night so there'd be a torch so you could see. You're talking about poverty. I mean, people, when they came to know Jesus, were losing their jobs. I mean, all of a sudden, like you come in one day, oh, you're following Jesus Christ, you're fired. But because we're in the Old Testament and we're about Jehovah, we believe that Jesus was a false prophet. Uh, pandemics in 165 AD, from 165 to 180, a pandemic hit the Roman Empire. And, and with regard to that, the church kind of rose up. They saw this as an opportunity and they began to build such a following that Christianity took over the Roman Empire by 365 A.D. See, here's the thing about the model of the church. You can't starve that model, and you can't kill that model. You say, well, that's back then. How about now? Well, well let me give you an illustration. You know, socialism wants to replace the church with government. You probably know that if you've studied a little bit. But communism wants to just kill the church altogether. And so, so this played out years ago, decades ago. When in, in uh, Russia, they said, hey, communism is going to take over. And the way we're going to take over is that we're going to shut down all the church buildings and we're going to put all the priests in, in jail. And sure enough, the, the church began to falter in Russia. And, and then when the Chinese came in and they said, we're going to kill the church. And, 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 and when they shut the buildings and they put the preachers in jail, guess what happened to the church in China? It exploded. It went from 2 million to 80 million because they understood that it's not about a building. It's about where you are. It's about raising up leaders so that whenever you go out, you take the gospel with you and your own mission. And that's what we're talking about today. I mean, think about the church. And, and I don't do, like to do a lot of background, but sometimes I have to because if you don't understand some of the background, you won't understand what I'm talking about. The church, remember when, when Jesus died and, and rose again, and then 50 days later, when, when the Spirit fell, there was only 120 disciples. But after the Spirit fell and the church was born, there were 3,000 added that day. Think about that. It's just men. Not talking about wives and children and all that, but by, in just a few months, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of followers of Jesus Christ, and there wasn't one building in Jerusalem. You say, what'd they do? Well, we're going to read about it in Acts chapter 2, if you want to open your Bibles there, and, and you're going to see what happens as the church begins to meet in homes. Now, now, don't let this throw you, because some of you are like, well, my house, my house is not big enough, you know? 
My, I, there's, I don't know if I want a lot of strength. Just chill, okay? Because this is going to be an ongoing process to give you information from the Bible of how they did this, and we begin to think about what this means to us. You say, "Well, I'm scared of COVID." That's okay. You know, we're, you don't have to. We're not going to. We're not racing to get this done. We're saying this is the direction that we're going because when we understand that your house, if you're, if a pastor is there, that is a house church. That is a totally different paradigm. And, 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 and why I haven't seen this before, I do not know. But it, maybe it just wasn't time. But when you look in the book of Acts, you see the model that works regardless of what happens in our culture. And so Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, we're going to read this. Then I'm going to unpack it for you. And I want you to listen closely because some of you, your minds are going to be blown. You're like, I, that's crazy. He's finally lost his mind. No, my, I lost my mind years ago. So, but, but I want you to get this and maybe go back and look at it, maybe get the notes or, 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 or get the outline, and I want you to go back and think about it and see if this doesn't make sense to you because this is the model where the church started and this is the model that God blessed. I, I mean, the church began to increase. The, the church began to take over the world. The church was cross-cultural. I mean, this model still works. And you, you, you got to be asking yourself, you know, hey, is, is this, is, can, can, can we put this in this time and say, hey, even though we're so smart and we've got so much, can, can this really be duplicated? Is this sustainable? Is this resilient? I, I mean, would this work in time and place? So I'm going to unpack this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And remember, this is when God has started the church to the Spirit of God coming, and thousands of people were saved, and there was no church buildings, there were no preachers. Get this, there were no seminaries. And in this moment, in chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they gathered together and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, and all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. And they were selling some possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone that had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread together in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, you can go back and read over and over and over and over and over again uh, that passage because that is the model for the church. You say, well, well is that our model? Well, yes and no. And, and I'm going to try to explain that to you because I, I think we began to say, hey, I'm not sure people would do that. I'm not sure people will do that. I'm not sure people will do this. That's not our role. Our role as leaders and pastors is to say, hey, this is the way God builds his church, and this is the direction that we're headed, and we'll build systems to help you, and we'll come alongside you because the first thing you notice about the early church is that they met in homes. They met in homes. You, you say, well, why would they do that? Well, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, it's simple. I mean, you knew her to me, like, like, like if you were a Christian, you was kind of underground in the first century. It's about to be underground now. And, and so you, you knew, like, hey, Joe, Joe's got a church that meets in his house over on First Avenue. And so we're going to walk over there because you need it to be simple. You need to know where it was, and you need to be able to get to it. 
And when you understand, like there, there's a house church in my neighborhood, you're like, wait a minute, your house church has a different growth groups. Growth groups were amazing. Growth groups helps us get here. But, but you're going to have a pastor in a home, and that is going to be your pastor because it is simple to find and it is simple to follow. You say, well, is that biblical? Well, let, let's find out. The Bible says in Philemon 1-2, to our beloved Athea and Archippus, our fellow soldier and the church that meets in your Home. You with me? You follow me? 1 Corinthians 16, 19, the churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you in the Lord with the church that is in their home. You can say it out loud. It's not rhetorical. Acts 20, 20, I kept back nothing that was profitable for you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Yeah, good, good. Colossians 4.15, salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nympha and the church which meets in his house. Very good, very good. Romans 16.5, greet the church that is in their house. Acts 5.42, in every house. They never cease not to teach and preach that Jesus was the Christ. Now, you're like, what does all that mean? Well, it simply means that when, when, when you see the letters in the Bible, in the New Testament, they're written to the church in Ephesus. It wasn't written to like First Baptist Ephesus. It was written, written to churches in homes that were meeting in Ephesus. When you have the letter to the Corinthians, the first and second letter, maybe a lost letter, they were written to the, to the churches that met in the homes of the people in Corinth. Well, I mean, you go down like Galatia. It was written to the churches that met in the homes of the people who knew the Lord in Galatia. See, see they met in houses. And, and, and when they had a problem and they had issues and when Nero tried to, to kind of, he couldn't raid the church because the church was everywhere. They decentralized the church to put the church where the people were. Imagine that. It was simple. It was supported. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And coaches would come along, people that were teaching. The apostles would show up, and, and Paul would appoint like Timothy and Barnabas and, and, and all these guys to come and mark and come alongside them, Titus, and, and they would kind of build them up and coach them and encourage them and, and making sure that they kind of stayed on track with the message. And then there was a structure. I love this. It started with a meal. Anybody else love to eat? I mean, I think they had fried chicken or fried something, fried lamb, and, and they would have a meal, okay? And then after the meal, they would say, hey, here's the scriptures. Here's the scriptures we've been given, and this is what this means, and this is what we need to do with it. And there was this accountability, and there was a sense of care. And when somebody had a problem, they all knew about it. And they could help each other, and they celebrated. The Bible says they were all, everyone was an all. They were amazed. I mean, you're going to see next week when I talk about the place where they were praying was shaken by the power of God. I mean, there was deep satisfaction. I mean, think about a neighborhood watch program. I mean, you've got a house church in that neighborhood. I mean, I'm going to get into the fact that in the future as we get down the road, how we can target different neighborhoods and put a house church in that neighborhood and have a pastor that lives there and loves that neighborhood and sees that neighborhood redeemed. They served one another. I mean, if you, you got a need, man, they met the need. I, I mean, there was no needy person among them. Can you imagine that? I mean, like, there's nobody needy in, in the whole church. Now, you can do that when there's 15 or 20 people. Like, when you got 5,000, you got me trying to meet all your needs, that's a problem. You say, well, where did we miss this? 
you know, you know, it says, you know, the church, you know, when I read about the church, like it's always been going to the Lord's house. Where, where did we miss this? Can you stay with me? Because this is a game changer. I went back and looked at this. You know, everywhere in the New Testament where you see the word church, except for one time, and it means the same thing, but it's a totally different word than this one, but it means the same thing. You, you see the word ecclesia. It, it's the, the, the called out ones. So, so think about it. every time you see the word church in the New Testament and you read the word church, what you're really reading is people who were called out to be in community. People that were called out to meet in public places. You say, well, what, why, was, why, do we, why do we look at it differently? Because when they translated the word ecclesia, they used an old English word. It came from a German word, and it was curse, church. You see where church came from? Church, you say, that, that, you're weird. No, that, you go look at the etymology of church. It was curse. You know why? Because it was, came from the word Lord. It meant the Lord's house. You say, why would they translate it like that? Because when you look at when the Bible was translated in the 14 to 1500s, they were saying, hey, you need to come to a building. You need to come to a sanctuary. You, you need to come to, to this big edifice because you've got a paid guy there and he's going to give you like some indulgences and he's going to pray you out of hell. And there's going to be all these things happen because you need the church building and staff. And that's not what Jesus said. When he said, I will build my called out ones. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know what he's talking about? He's not talking about we'll be in a fort and kind of holding back. Again. The gates are walking toward us. That'd be weird. No, when he talks about the gates of hell not prevail, he's talking about us moving into hell. Breaking open the gates of hell and walking in like taken. Come on. See, that's what I love about the gospel, man. I mean, it's like, you know, you got a special set of skills. I mean, it's all this stuff like, like all of a sudden you realize, hey, God's got you going out. He's got you going out. He's got you where you are. He's saying, I can use you. No matter what you're doing, you say, I'm a salesman. Great, he can use you. You're going out. You're the called out ones. Well, I work at a bank. He can use you. Okay, you're the called out ones. Well, I'm a lawyer. Well, that's different. No, he, he can use you. You're the called out ones. I'm just playing. I got a, law, a lot of lawyer friends. They say the same thing about preachers. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. They met in homes. You're going, great. We're going to do all these buildings. You had all this money to buy. They also met each week in the temple courts because there were so many of them. I mean, nobody had a house big enough for thousands of people. Kanye can't even have thousands of people come to him. Well, I don't know if he makes it, but. But, you know, you needed a place, and so they went to the temple courts. Why? Because it was wide open. It was huge. It was like this cobblestone area, like acres of it, and they could meet there, and they could see all the house churches. They could meet together as one and encourage one another. That's what we're going to be. We're going to be a church of house churches. And you meet during the week with a pastor in a home, and you say, what if it, what if it gets too big? Well, you, you'll separate off, and we'll have another house church pastor that lead in another house, and all of a sudden, you can put those anywhere. And you say, well, what's the weekend services about? It's about reunion. It's about community. It's about preaching. It's about teaching. It's about worship. It's about prayer. The big room, when they met in the temple courts, it was nothing more than getting them out of the big room and getting them into a living room so you get them out of rows and get them into circles. That was good. 
You need to tweak that. I mean, that, that's what the weekend service is all about. And when you come together, and then we'll say to people, hey, hey, out in the foyer, you're going to see this big map, and I want you to find on that map in your area where you live a little dot. Now, this is futuristic. This is not this week. This is not during COVID. Don't get the rumor started. Jeff's going crazy. Jeff's going, no, no, no. This, in the future, as we move forward, you'll begin to say, hey, there, there's, a, there's a house church in my neighborhood. I mean, you'll be able to find this is what Jesus did when Jesus taught thousands and thousands, 5,000 people, eight, plus women and children. He didn't like that. They didn't all meet together every week. No, they went into smaller groups. Then the next time something really bad happens, guess what? We're ready. Just like the New Testament church. When the persecution came and the pandemic came, they were ready to go. That thirdly, they served in community. They began to sell things they didn't need. To give to people who really had needs. And friends, this is already happening. This is the cool thing about venture. These things are this past week, we had a lady in our church. She goes, you know, she tell one of our staff members, I need a car. I don't have a car. I need a car. You know, I'm struggling. I can't get to work. And so somebody calls and goes, hey, I got this car. I'm not going to leave it to my kids. I've already done so much for my kids. Anybody needs a car? Well, yeah, put them together. Got a car. Guy says, hey, I, I need a washer and dryer. You think, hey, you know, it may think you hook me up. I said, I can't hook you up. I need a washer and dryer too. I said, well, we'll put it out there. And somebody said, hey, I got a washer and dryer in the storage. Hey, I can put them together. Hey, I would love to serve this guy. And I put them together in this, uh, hey, do you need TV. Hey, do you need this? Hey, you need that? See, love is a verb. God has called us to serve not just one another, but the community. Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Listen, you can't just pray about serving. You can't just pay somebody. You can't just plan on serving. We've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the time to be the hands and feet of Jesus is when everything is falling apart. And you say, well, I don't know where to start. We're going to help you with that. I mean, we're kind of developing systems right now, kind of a rhythm of that. Lastly, they gave generously. They were robust givers. Man, you guys are giving so well. You know, people ask me all the time, I bet you're going broke. I bet you're going to have to, well, yeah, you know, I, no. Man, you guys are giving so well. It's inspiring. I mean, it, it puts me on another level of wanting to serve you and love you and encourage you and lead well. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, each one of you must uh, give as he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, that's, that's, what, that's what the church is. See, socialism is where they tax the share out of you. It's a little term there. <clears throat> Communism is when they take everything you have and they dole out a little bit, you know, every now and then they think you might need it. Christianity is when whatever you get, you're a manager, you're a steward. And when you see a need, it's the only answer to capitalism. It's the only answer to all the racial issues we're having. It's the only uh, answer to all the economic you know, disparity that we're seeing around us. When you see a need, you go and meet a need. And God's calling us back to the Bible. You say, this is a whole lot. Like, 
This is simple. Listen, let me tell you the most complex thing in the world. The most complex thing in the world is something that gets really simple. You know why? Because then all of a sudden you're responsible. Mm, that was deep. Four things. We're a church of house churches led by pastors appointed and trained by the elders. Number two, we host weekend services for the health and unity of the church. Number three, we come alongside community agencies and meet the needs of people around us. Number four, we become creative and robust in giving to raise the water level of our community. You say, man, this is crazy. Well, it, it may be crazy, but I look back and I've actually been saying this for the last several months and I didn't really know why. Back in November, eight or nine months ago, I did a message and I said, hey, this is where we've been. This is where we're going. And I wore the same shirt today so I could kind of connect. So this is an eighth-month-old shirt. If anyone wants to get me another shirt. But anyway, I want you to see this because I've been saying this for months. And I want to bring this back down into this moment because we've been casting vision without even realizing it. So I want you to see this. I want you to invite people to come and see. Come and see. And listen, you, you did it, man. You were amazing. And, and, and invitations are powerful. You, you've got this down about come and see. You, you've got this down with regard to inviting your friends. And we're asking you to do something unique. We're asking you to go and be. Don't just come here and bring your friends with you. Do that. But there's more now. God wants to use you to do new things in the Pine Belt and on the Gulf Coast and all around us. You're on mission to heal and restore our community. In the book of Acts, they Ubered the gospel from place to place. They VRBO'd from home to home. It's not about going to seminary. It's not about being on staff. Wherever you go, there you are with the gospel. And we're going to train you. We're going to help you learn because we want to decentralize the gospel. You, you, you want to see joy fill our cities? Do you want to see joy fill our community? Do you want to see things happen in your family for generations that you can't explain? You go and be. You can't make this stuff up. It was eight and a half months ago. And I knew the, the big picture. But it took COVID to get me dialed in to the model. So many things are happening, and I can tell you more, I'm way over time. We've got to spray after you leave. Disinfect the thing. Sorry. Um, but here, here's the reality. God was working on all these other ministries. At the same time, our venture worship team was writing a song called Your Church. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. If you, if you hurt you, I don't believe you. But I'm going to pray, and I want you to let God speak to your heart. Because I think this is a revolution. I think if we can wrap our minds around it, it's going to change everything around us. I think it can change the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today that you don't live in a building. 
made by hands. That you're the creator of the universe. There's no wall that can hold you in. And Father, I pray that we'd be missional, that you'd send us out. You've called us in to send us out. God, do a new work in our community and in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.